from the fog. I am your host, Casey, and with me, as always, is the amazing and wonderful Veronica. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. It was one year ago that we got married. Yeah. We essentially eloped. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. We planned our whole thing in six weeks, and I just recently got around to getting all the documentation in order to get my last name changed. One year later. But I beat the one-year mark. Officially, according to the Social Security Office. By a week? Yeah. <laughs> Technically, it was within the first year. Yeah. All is well. In the process of getting all the other documentation, like uh, bank stuff and, oh my gosh, we're drinking a wine. So I attempt for this awesome company. They asked me not to actually like announce what the company name was. I don't know why, but that's okay. They're like um, a back-end company. You yeah, know. they're not a company that directly sells to consumers, but you, I promise you, you have seen their products at least once in your life. Um, but they, a division of their business involves bottled alcoholic beverages and, um, and they own multiple companies around the world. And one of the companies that they are involved in is a, a winery and so uh, anytime there's like a new run of something or for whatever reason, samples roll through the front office, um, the staff gets to take one. And that's just like, I don't know if the one that we got is uh, if it's new off the line or if it's old stock that they don't want, they don't need samples of anymore mm -hmm. because they're not going to push it. I don't know. I didn't, you know, I wasn't there long enough to know what they were doing. But um, my very first day at that office, I walked away with a glass of... Um, Ready to drink mojito, which was delicious. Um, so delicious, we have a little bit in the fridge, though. No, that's something else. Oh, is it? Do you have something else in there? That's isn't that the mar ready to drink margarita mix? Maybe. Or is that the mojito? No, you're right. That is the mojito. I don't know. It, whatever it was, it was good in a sip, but it wasn't very good in a whole container. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. I think that was the the mojito. It must not have been very memorable because nobody remembers what it is. So day one, I'm handed a glass of liquor. Day two, I'm handed a bottle of liquor. You know, and day three, I was giving like a cookie or something. So they, they take care of their people in the front office. Um, on one of my last days in there, they uh, had a bunch of wine. So I grabbed whatever was left because I'm not a wine person. I know you're not a wine person. Not so I didn't much. like I wasn't over there like when they bring donuts. I am the first person over there grabbing the one that I want. But when it comes to wine, I'm like, meh. You know, I'll wait and let everyone else get what they want, and then I'll go over and, you know, pick the pick the uh, rotting corpse of whatever's left over. And so Which is I what we are currently drinking. It kind of tastes a little, um, would it be fair to say earthy? Yeah, it's a wine, it's a white wine from Greece. Mm -hmm. It's called Notos Restina 2016. I guess that answers the question. Well, no, it doesn't, because I don't know anything about the year being on the bottle and Anything like that. So I don't know if it's brand that new That just or has not. to do with grow years. Like, was it a wet year, dry year, how the grapes came out? Apparently, this was a dirty year <laughs> because this wine tastes like, oh, 
I mean, okay. I We've already established I'm not a wine person. Um, I don't know what wine is supposed to taste like, but I've had a couple and I like the ones that taste like soda. I yeah, like them super the sweet. sweet and bubbly and they look like Welch's grape soda. That kind of stuff is, is my level of, you know, adultness when it comes to wine. So drinking this thing is, I mean, I'm excited about, you know, drinking wine and basically just drinking, but I'm, I forget what it tastes like until I take that sip and then it's like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's, you just um, have to drink it to the point where you don't taste it anymore. Mm. That's my rule. It, I don't even have the vocabulary right. to describe it. So, uh, speaking of our one year anniversary for our one year anniversary. So we got married in Yosemite. Mm-hmm. And so I took Veronica for the first time. She went, uh, indoor rock climbing. We did both roped and unroped bouldering. Um, so what do you think about it? Oh my gosh. It was something I could see us doing again. Um, great training as far as, you know, cause I, I like the obstacle course stuff. It was one of those things where it was easy at first, deceivingly so, where um, the very first thing we did was we had the little harnesses and we strapped in and it's this two-person belaying thing. And the girl was there just showing us how to use the equipment. Yeah. So she puts you on what I'm fairly certain is the easiest wall in the entire building. Yeah. And, you know, I climbed up like a rock star and I felt great and I was nice and high up and I didn't feel scared of heights being up there and like everything felt good. And then um, we did that a couple of times back and forth on the harnessed part. And it was super easy. Yeah. And then we decide to leave the harnessed part. Well, before that, we did the last one. The last one before we did the bouldering, we did a a roped wall that was pretty much slightly inverted the entire way up. It was probably like a 95 degree angle or so. Like the first was a little steeper and then it kind of leveled out. So it was like... Maybe 90, I don't know. Maybe it, it was, went from 95 into like 92. Yeah. It was noticeable. Whole, the, yeah. When you're on the ground, you couldn't tell the upper part was actually inverted mm-hmm. until you're on it and using your core strength to hold you to the wall. It's intimidating looking up at the thing and seeing that it's not, you know, just a straight up and down wall. Yeah. But once you start climbing, there's this odd, I don't know if it's like a, a thing that's wired into humans from the old days, but there's something oddly comforting, comfortable about the act of climbing up there. I didn't feel like it was an alien sport or anything. Nothing felt unnatural, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It felt, I mean, having trained, I felt strong. Like I didn't feel like I was going to fall down. Yeah. At any point later, it, it you know, things changed. But at least in the <laughs> beginning, I didn't yeah. have that feeling of, I can't hold my weight. This isn't fun. I don't want to do this anymore. Why mm-hmm. did you take me here? It's awful. Never had that feeling. It was, I mean, challenging, but not impossible. Yeah. Even, I mean, the being roped in only made it so that if you fell, you didn't fall down to the ground. It didn't help you climb up. Yeah. The way that it worked is you couldn't like I, with all my strength, I couldn't pull hard enough to get you to lift up off the ground. No. Yeah. The braking system they have on it. It's, it's impossible to pull somebody up. Yeah. There's so much weight on it. Yeah. I mean, you can, the way it's designed, you can like lower them down nice and softly, 
But yeah, like there's no way that, you know, we could have pulled each other up. So you're definitely using your own strength to do the thing that you're doing. So that was a really interesting experience. And, and they also had a, the, I forgot about the rope. Were we still wearing our harnesses when we did the rope climb? No. Well, you, you did that right before we went bouldering. So that was in between the yeah. two. Yeah. So they had a, um, just a regular old, like, you know, uh, gym rope CrossFit gym, yeah. big old, I don't know, maybe two and a half, three inch diameter rope. That was fun. So we were podcasting when I auditioned for Disney, right? Yeah. And I was training, like I had never climbed a rope pretty much in my life. And the rope was a little bit thinner, but I could not even lift my own body weight. I think at this point I couldn't even do a single push up, uh, pull up or push uh-huh. up, but that's beside the point. Um, and that the guy was trying to teach me how to climb a rope and I was like, this is just not working out at all. <laughs> Flashback to a year and some change into the future. And I climbed my happy ass all the way to the top, all the way to the roof. And I was like, am I still going like where, how <laughs> that's all I knew was climbing that rope and not being able to climb. Yeah. And suddenly I'm just like, whoop up the thing. I was like, oh my God, it felt awesome. But then, like, the getting down part was scary because I'm like, do I do the same thing but in reverse? Like, how do I? I've never gotten this far. (laughs) So I didn't know what to do. I just figured, like, baby steps in the opposite way that I got up there is hopefully how I get back down. Turns out that that was okay. Yeah. I made it down safely. But it was really exhilarating to do Mm -hmm. that thing. That was – it seemed so unattainable once. Yeah. And it was not too bad. It was hard, but it wasn't impossible. And then we went to the bouldering room. Yeah. Which had some insane... Okay, so in bouldering, they don't call them roots. So in rock climbing that I've done, it's called a root. And you follow a root up. In bouldering, they call all the different possible options problems. And it very it, it very much is exactly that. Um, it's almost like, you know, if you play a video game with puzzles... And you really are looking at the wall and trying to understand how to make it up these insane maneuvers to get to the top. (laughs) It really is like solving a puzzle when, like not having seen any of this before except on YouTube. When I looked in there, at first all I saw was a bunch of handholds on a bunch of walls in a bunch of different angles to each other with a really thick foam padding on the ground. That's all I saw. The more I looked at it, the more I started to see little patterns. And they had markers on certain um, handholds and footholds to tell you what kind of a route it was going to be. Yeah, so they use in the main room with the ropes. All the rope is done using the Yosemite Decimal System, which was the first system used to rate a rock climb, right? Because people didn't usually rate climbs, you know, but there were so many routes in Yosemite of varying challenges, they decided to create a system in order to tell people this is what it is, so make sure that you know what it is. So the Yosemite system goes from two, which is a walk on a trail, up to a five where you start rope climbing. And then once you get to five, it goes to a decimal system for each increasingly hard route. I think the hardest one we did, which was the very last rope climb, was about 5'11". Was that the one over by the drinking fountain? Yeah, with the little chimney yeah. part. Um, then the 
The other one uses letter grades, which is the bouldering system of, it's a bunch of different letter grades, but they had them all color coded with these little color cards. And at the bottom of each route, there was a color card that told you how hard it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we pretty much tried like every possible route or at least a section of every, the wall on every route. Yeah, I think we, in that room that had, um, you know, when you walk in and it just looks like a bunch of handholds, we touched pretty much every starting point, almost every starting point, the ones that at least looked interesting. Um, The very first one we did was, it wasn't the easiest one that was there, but it was pretty... It was on the easy wall. It was like midway. Yeah, there's one wall that starts um, less than 90 degrees and then slowly as the wall progresses from the left side to the right side, it's, it inverts a little bit and then turns into a, like maybe a 93, yeah. I don't know, 94, if that. So it gets a little bit easier to harder if you wanted to cruise from one side to the other side. So we started more on the right side. So it was inverted, like it was more than 90, but not by much. It was the second color Yeah. on the color wheel. Yeah, so. I was like... You could do this if you're over age nine. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the first one was about age six. Yeah. So we did that first. It was super easy that, you know, because it was so easy, we're like, well, let's do something else. So we left the easy wall entirely, cruised to the other side of that room where suddenly the incline got way steeper. Like yeah, I just had to try to really It was hard. It, but it didn't look... It was kind of deceiving. It didn't look as hard as it was. Yeah. But to me, because I didn't realize the effect of that Your wall. Your body being pulled away from the wall. That was it. Yeah. I'm just, I've never felt that before. Any bouldering I've done has been on an, a boulder outside where I knew what was going to happen because there were no boulders that were t- like steeper than 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. So it was all new to me. And when I climbed up there and I felt, I really felt like the wall was like pulling away from me. Or my legs are being pulled away. Yeah. It was a really interesting feeling and kind of surreal in a way. <laughs> like, how come my, my leg keeps wanting to leave my body? Yeah. It's like cruising behind me and like, no, the wall's over here. Let's stay over here. Use that core strength to keep your lower body into the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. My back is still really sore. Yeah. And then we tried. They had one route that I was like, after we had been going around a while and I was feeling comfortable, they had one route that got perfectly perpendicular with the floor. I mean, it was like exactly upside down. <laughs> it was the roof of a cave. Yeah. And I, I gave that route a good eight tries maybe. Mm-hmm. And I did one, one where I got maybe two handholds from the top. Like if, and I, I just got pulled. I was so gassed and tired. I just could not pull myself up. So that kind of eliminates the thing that was deceiving about this rock climbing adventure, it started out so easy. Mm-hmm. It started out very obtainable and within our, the realm of our, you know, existing training, all seemed well. And then you just suddenly melt. And like whatever max capacity your body has for doing that thing, when it's gone, it's it's just gone. And I'm we were discussing when we were there, like, this has got to be one of the things that you're training is not just doing the thing, but being able to do the thing over and over and over. Yeah. It's the, this, uh, the stamina part of it. And, you know, we can relate that to sliding or to jumping, you know, anything that we do, but we felt it in a big way. And suddenly I felt like I was going in, not at the ground level when I first walked in there, 
to suddenly feeling like I know nothing. I am so weak compared yeah. to these other climbers that are here. You know, it was like that false sense of security. Once, once your muscles are done and I couldn't ever get back the strength that I had when we first started mm-hmm. and it was just harder and harder to hang on and harder and harder to, to do the same you know, route problem that I had done earlier suddenly was really hard. And like, that's when I realized this is why people do this so much is because like, you know, you can do it because you just did it. How come you can't do it now? I want to do it again. And you just keep going back more and and more. And suddenly you can do this for an hour or two hours or Mm -hmm. days, you know? Yeah. And then since we were so gassed, we decided to go back and do some more roped routes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's when we did the hardest one that I think it's the hardest one that they have there. And it was, it was hard. <laughs> it was really challenging. And it wasn't yeah. like the, well, so we were doing the free climbing bouldering part and we noticed that our, our upper body was just completely shot. And we're like, well, what can we do with our lower body? Cause I know you had said like, you're supposed to use your legs more than your arms. Like, well, when we're inverted like that, I don't feel like my legs have much to do with anything. No. So let's go back to where we can rope in and let's focus just on our legs, like even out the stress on the whole body so that when we walk out of here, we're completely a mess instead of yeah. just our upper body <laughs> being a mess. So we were playing on the easier routes, but focusing more on just using our lower half. And that did make it more challenging because stuff that I would assume like the easy way to get up. It's like, oh no, I can't do that anymore. I have to use a different way. Yeah, it's like only using your hands for balance and use all the power coming from your legs. Really from your butt. And yeah. like my my butt and my my metatarsals did all of the work. I don't know if they're supposed to, but that's what they did. And it made it a really interesting challenge to do it that way. Mm-hmm. That went out the window when we went over to that 5.11 chimney thing. Yeah. Suddenly it was like, <laughs> hang on for dear life. <laughs> I got to the top of it. I don't know how I got to the top of it. I got to the top of the one section, but I didn't go to the the, the perpendicular wall to yeah. keep going. I was just like, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself anymore. And I got to a point where I was like, I was literally, you were stuck, stuck. Like I was like, I can't, like I had to really figure out how to get myself to keep going up because my body, the way my body was positioned, and being stuck in the chimney and being over six feet tall, like I didn't, I couldn't spread my legs enough to push up. I mm-hmm. couldn't, like I was just squeezed in that spot. And I'm like, this is interesting. Like, how am I going to get out of this without just going down? Yeah. I'm like, I'm looking <laughs> down. I'm looking I'm like, he's, he's a big man. <laughs> he's stuck in that <laughs> chimney. <laughs> Suddenly you're so hyper aware of how much space you take up. Yeah. Speaking of how much space you take up, there were these caves in there that yeah. I didn't have we, the guts to go we, through. Yeah, we didn't do them. Yeah. But they're, they're for kids, you know, so the parents can come and rock climb and they have these awesome spelunking caves for these kids. And they have like, it goes all the way up to the ceiling through all the rock climbing walls. And it's not like those play tunnels at Chuck E. Cheese where they're colored and stuff. It legit looks like caves Mm -hmm. and then climb up and down the insides of the rock climbing walls. They have like little suspension bridges. There's like one section of like the highest section of the, the caving route. It has a glass floor, so the kids are crawling. They have their headlamps on, and they look down. You can see their little headlamp shining through the glass, looking down at you while you're trying to climb up the rocks. So adorable. So cool. <laughs> like, so cool. Yeah. So if you guys want to go, it, we went to Rock City in Anaheim, which is right off the 91, kind of like the 9155 interchange. It was like, the really 91 and that. Imperial Highway. Yeah. Um, Really close to the Sky Zone uh, jump 
uh, trampoline park as well. <coughs> Super cool. We definitely need to get a Decay Brigade group to go rock climbing. I think that would be fun. That would be hilarious. Just it was funny everybody. enough getting them to the trampoline park. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And some of them, I think, would do really well. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of us would just flop around. <laughs> <laughs> Making fools of ourselves, but having a really good time doing it. I was so. surprised I did as good as I did. It's you been, blew my it's mind. It's been seven years since I've gone rock climbing, and so I didn't expect to do nearly what I did. You totally surprised me, because I've never seen you do that thing before. Yeah. So I had no point of reference, and you're just like, whoop, climbing up the thing. I'm like, holy shit. Like, did you always know how to do that? And you're like, yes. We've <laughs> talked about this. <laughs> Sorry, I forget things. Yeah. But yeah, I was super impressed by how well you did and you're mostly your ability to keep going like your stamina was you know you know uh harken back to the good old days when you used to do this all the time mm-hmm. you can tell that you knew what you were doing and it was really cool to watch and then i would try it i'm like oh, he can do it i can do it and you're like nope <laughs> no i cannot <laughs> first of all there was a size issue because once we did that that one that was the overhang the overhang like the foothold was just far enough away where I couldn't reach it, but you had no problem. You're just like, whoop, stick your yeah. foot right up there, no problem. But I'm like struggling with every ounce of my being to hoist my legs off the ground into the foothold. Not I almost want to go back and only do the overhang. I think the guys, it looked like there were people where that's all they do, yeah. where they go in and they probably I think do if I lot. went in not gassed, you know, because I didn't even try it till like halfway through our adventure, yeah. I might be able to do it if I was fully you know, fully into it and wasn't worn out and tired. Yeah, but we actually, we gassed ourselves out on that one. Remember, like, the green hook one that was geographically between the first inverted wall that we did yes. and the fully inverted yeah, wall? Yeah, the middle one? Yeah. That one was a really hard route, too. That one, what I would, you know, uneducatedly say was a technical climb. Yeah. Except this little, like, nine-year-old thing just like waltzes up la 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 and just climbs up it like a spider monkey and i was like go away <laughs> grip strength to weight ratio come on yeah I she mean, weighed like 60 pounds <laughs> she was a very spry looking she was built like a high jumper just like long and lanky and but obviously strong her yeah. dad was there he looked like he'd been climbing his whole life i mean it was in their blood but it was really funny to watch us old people just struggling and she just comes in with a smile on her face and a chalk bag on her butt and just goes whoop, 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 whoop up the little thing. It's like, I hate you, but I adore you. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty fun. And actually it kind of motivated. I'm like, okay, she can do it. I can do it too. And yeah. then like that actually got farther than I had, but it was still pretty pathetic. It was not a good, mm. we, but we exhausted ourselves on that that thing and then tried to do like well let's go on the one that's upside down <laughs> yeah let's do that it was pretty funny i'm sure anyone watching us would be like wow super fun and i'm excited there's one called hangar 18 opposite direction down mm-hmm. the 91 uh, out in east riverside yeah um and there's one down in marietta california so we're probably gonna hit them on to see which ones we like yeah i'm i i got the bug i really liked the the reward of doing the thing, mm-hmm. you know, like making it to the top or doing it in as few uh, moves as possible or things like that. And then just the straight up rope climb, yeah. you know, doing that. It was a lot of fun. I could definitely see myself doing this. Like for a while we were doing, we were hiking every two weeks. I could totally see us going to a facility like that every two weeks. Oh yeah. And sure. having a good old time. 
I'll just be perpetually sore. Well, that I mean, we are when we're sliding. <laughs> we're either recovering or we're at practice. <laughs> yeah. So next yeah. on the docket, our friends John Cook and Ted Doherty started a business. What the heck? Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of it. If you haven't, it's called Black Market Escape Rooms in Upland, California. And their first uh, show is called Murder Co., which is the first R-rated horror escape experience. And this isn't just a typical ex- uh, like escape room. It does take, uh, they said it does take around 60 minutes. Um, but it's kind of like a mash between a haunted attraction and an escape room. So if you went through Trapped at Not Scary Farm, or for those of you guys on the East Coast, if you did the Alone attraction at uh, Bush Gardens in Tampa, uh, something more along those lines where it's it's a more intimate, personal thing. There's going to be interactive parts where you got to figure puzzles out, but there's an overall haunted attraction. So you're not in just one room. You're moving around a facility. Um, I'm excited to try it out. I can't wait to see what he has in store because obviously John Cook is one of the top rated designers Knotts has ever had. I mean, Paranormal Inc., uh, Shadowlands, mm-hmm. got, um, what was the Funhouse one he just did last year? Uh, Dark Ride? Dark Ride. Uh, just insane attraction. So obviously he won't have the budget that he had at Knotts, but I think he has the mind where he'll be able to pull off something really awesome. Yeah, I mean, these two, it's like... It's like the power couple. <laughs> they, they're they both geniuses and experts in this field. And they're both heroes of mine for different reasons. Yeah. And, you know, them coming together wasn't really a surprise. Like you can kind of with, – with Ted, he always has something going on or just did something. I mean, he's just – that's what he lives for. It's what he's good at. It's what he's passionate about. You yeah. know there's always something that he's working on. And whatever it is, it's going to be awesome. And same thing with John Cook. Everything that he does is, I mean, he does not half-ass anything. No. And judging by the few promotional pictures that I put out, the set design looks great. It looks beautiful. And yeah. what I really appreciate, because I'm not the target market for um, 17th Door McKinney like extreme Manor. hot man. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, stuff. I don't yeah. I don't like being touched. He very clearly said he did not want to be considered an extreme hot. Um, I really the only reason that. they're rating it R is due to uh the they're taking the violence to a more realistic uh level. So take that out what you will. I mean, Nats has done gory mazes, tooth fairy and stuff like that. Yeah, but, but there's a level of tanning cheek. There's some yeah, cartoony a, element of it. And in this, you're supposed to actually witness a real murder. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, if they're taking it to that level, I expect it to be like, holy crap, someone just got fucking murdered in front of us. Yeah, it's probably going to be disturbing, but it's not going to be like, here, eat this cockroach. Yeah, he said that you're you not know? going to have to eat anything. No one's going to get electrocuted. They're not going to use tasers or those electro pads or yeah. nothing like that. So no going to waterboard it's, you. It's all because of uh, uh, harsh uh, language. Gore. Gore and violence. And we're all adults. We can handle that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do appreciate that they didn't go the, the extreme 
route. But I mean, they're both fantastic storytellers and they both have a really interesting collection of experiences and skills to bring to something like this. And then teaming up with an escape room company, I mean, they're, they're going to knock it out of the park. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. And I do appreciate that they put it in Upland because that area, you're really close to all of the counties. Yeah. You're it's kind of like, like that close sweet to spot. Orange, LA, and Riverside. Yeah. You're like and right it's pretty close to us. I mean, we feel like in Riverside, we've got, you know, a couple smaller haunts out here, but you have to travel to get to the good stuff. Yeah. We're like but an hour is, away from anything. Yeah. And that's the seasonal stuff. This is. If I'm not mistaken, it's going to be a year-round attraction. Right? Yeah, and I'm assuming – I mean, he did say he already had expansion plans, so he may have two different shows. I mean, most escape rooms try to do that. They have mm-hmm. two or three, you know, versions of stuff going on because usually when an escape room is kind of a one-and-done thing once you know the puzzles. Yeah. You're like, okay, I know the puzzles. What else do you got? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have something new in a month or two, you're going to lose all those people. Like if even if they really loved the the thing they did, if you don't have something new soon, they're not yeah. going to come back. They're so, only going to come back so many times with new people to watch them go through it as well. Yeah, you well, a lot to, of them you can't do it. Like once you've done it, you're not allowed to go back. They won't even let you come back, nope. just because they don't want to ruin the experience for anybody else. Yep, because a lot of times you're not like maybe if you did a private group, they'd let you go back. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you're thrown in with people you don't know. And if yeah. you know all the puzzles, you're going to ruin it for them. Yeah. Or you're going to step back and they're going to know, like, well, why aren't they touching yeah. anything? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you're not helping. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like, we didn't – you just sat there. We That's why we didn't escape. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like kind of a disposable product in that regard to make sure you get that repeat business. Yeah. So they're – like, Crossroads, they've had the hex for a while, but they've they've redone the puzzles. So at some point, they're like, this is a great story, so let's keep the idea – and then and and just update the puzzles, and then we can have people come back and say, "Hey, it's all new puzzle. We've ramped up the. It's wine time, guys. We ramped up the hardness, the 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 level of hard that it is. Come and <laughs> come and uh, check it out. <laughs> yes, the difficulty. Mm. This wine is terrible. It is not good, but it tastes like Veronica gave me a challenge of we have to finish the bottle during this podcast yeah we're almost done so we're chugging well yeah we're doing our best yeah giving it the old college (laughs) try um so yeah i can't wait to check it out ted john we'd love to have you on the podcast so uh let us know when you're available (laughs) i know they're listening come on um maybe maybe (laughs) they may be too busy uh um, also all saints lunatic asylum, they are having their Easter egg hunt. So go on their website or their Facebook, get all the details. You actually go through, uh, and have to hunt for Easter eggs and certain ones have prizes, uh, in them. So if you find one, you actually win prizes Neat. as you go through the hunt. So it should be fun. That's really cool. Yeah. How exciting. Um, I think that's it for news currently. Uh, the Decade Brigade has had two meetings yeah, for their summer convention shows, and we were officially announced for Midsummer Scream, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We, we didn't, we weren't part of any meeting or anything, so we don't know exactly what happened. But yeah, we're gonna be there. Yeah. I mean, duh. But yeah, officially, we'll be there. And officially, we are planning our shows and they're going to be just as robust and diverse and complex and story-driven as in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say it's um, because of the things that have happened within the group, 
um, for those of you who know, like, uh, Nelson passing away and, um, a lot of people in the haunt community passing away this past <laughs> year. Um, the emotions in the group have been very, you know, up and down and up and down and up and down. So I think the shows this year are really going to reflect, um, how the group is feeling as a family and, and everything. Yeah. Because it's at this point now, I mean, last year being proof of this, but it's evolved so much more than just a bunch of idiots sliding to music. This really is, um, you know, it's art imitating life and we're people yeah. made up of people who experience things and have feelings. And, you know, when you're doing a show, you choose to either tell a story about somebody else or you choose to tell a story about yourself. And we've been just telling, we've been writing these stories generally about other people, but you know, this past year being what it was, we felt like it was time to kind of tell a story about us Yeah, and you know, the things that one goes through when you have those big life changes that happen and it's not going to be a downer. It's not going to be anything like that. It will be very dynamic and intense and, and definitely, you know, interesting to watch, but it's not going to be like, la, 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 you know, yeah. not like any real Decade Brigade show is with the exception of the slide into reading thing, but that's not the same thing. Yeah. But I it's going to be, um, it's going to mean something. It's going to mean something to us and anybody who knows members personally, it's going to mean something to them too. Yeah. Yeah. So we just have people that we really need to make sure that we make them proud. And so the bar has been raised. Yep. Again. Every year gets raised. It does. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, because every year you're like, there's no way we can top that. <laughs> and then we find a way to do it. But that's why we're meeting in March, talking about things that are happening that far away. Yeah. Is it takes a lot of time. And for the first time ever, I like I have pretty much I have well basically what ha the way that our shows work is they they throw up a bunch of <laughs> music suggestions at me. They're like, okay, for show one, you know, I'll have like four or five people send me suggestions of music. Show two, four or five people send me suggestions of music. And show three, four or five people send me suggestions for music. This one, particularly this year, I think we have the most amount of song choices. Mm. In, for individual shows. I think show three, show three, show two. Uh, show two. I think, I think it's going to end up being show two. I'm calling it show two. I don't know the actual order of the shows. Yeah. Um, but you can't say the names of them. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm calling it show two. Um, I think I have like 48 songs that they've picked. That gets interesting. Because it's kind of like, I was thinking about this, because a lot of suggestions are made, and this isn't just with the Decade Brigade, I'm talking about like any co-opted kind of performance group. Yeah. A lot of suggestions get thrown out there, and a lot of them don't get picked because you can only have, I don't know, six or seven And out of that six or, or seven, so it's kind of getting into the semantics of building a show, but... Even if, let's say, we don't have a storyline, right? Like, it's just a show. Like, the music is still a character itself. Mm -hmm. And so you you can have 
40 suggestions and you have seven really awesome songs, but we can't use three of them because you need to have those highs and lows and you have fast songs and slow songs. And so figuring out the character and, and like, I can't give too much away, but, (laughs) um, you got to think of what each show is trying to say, whether it's a story, it's, it's an idea or a concept, whatever it is. You have to think about that and not only pick good songs, but, but you have to connect the songs in a way that it feels like a movie. There's a, there's a beginning, a middle and an end. There's conflict, there's resolution, there's, Mm -hmm. you know, so you really have to think about those song choices and understand how the songs flow together. They all have to work together and it all has to work within the Decade Brigade frame and sound like a Decade Brigade show. And also account for the different props and things that you're going to be throwing into the show. Yeah. You know, you've got songs that lend themselves to the hoppers. You have songs that lend themselves to distance jumping, yes. to high-speed passes, etc. And that's another layer you have to consider while building that story with yeah. your arc. And I almost feel like I should do a, and- a show or a, a YouTube video or something on how to put music together for a show. Oh my God. I just heard about a podcast that that's what they talk about is like the movie soundtrack. Crap. I wish I had the information in front of me. It's a, I think it's on the how stuff works network and it is is a podcast about like this dude who's done like soundtracks for movies. Yeah. Talk. And I, I've been dying to listen to it and I haven't downloaded it yet, but he talks about just that, like how to, how the music makes you feel, how it, you know, it conjures up different, Different experiences, different yeah. things, how it links with the action on the screen. Like, oh my God. Okay, now I really have to listen to it. Because... I know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but not our whole, you know, Decade Brigade fan base, I don't know if they would listen to that kind of thing. So if you were to post something like that, I think that it would be very beneficial to the community. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing doing soundtracks for haunts, right? Like mm-hmm. you have a story that the haunt's trying to convey, and then it's like, how do you put that into music and a lot of times haunted attraction music doesn't have words Mm -hmm. so now you have like no vocal cues on what the story is trying to say and you're Mm -hmm. literally just relying on the emotions of the music and how do you play that into what the haunted attraction owner wants patrons to feel while they're walking through it and the thing is is like if you do a really good job at the soundtrack and the sound design for a haunted attraction no one notices it Mm -hmm. because all you feel is the emotion coming from it and any other sounds feel like they're part of the environment right and so it's something that you should never really even notice ideally Um, yeah which is fun about doing the decay brigade thing is because it's something that we really put on the front whereas when i do haunted attraction stuff it's something that you're trying to hide almost. That's what I was going to say. It's almost the opposite where the, in a haunted attraction, it is to set the tone. But in a show, like you said, it's one of the characters. Yeah. Where it's way more like front center. This is the music. But by that same token, you have to be so much more selective about what you choose. Like you, like we can all suggest music and I love disco. Okay. Real talk guys. I love disco so much. But, like, I'm not going to start suggesting we start dancing to disco because I understand that disco doesn't lend itself to a Decade Brigade show. You know, it's like being in the writer's room for a TV show. There's lots of people suggesting lots of things, but not everything's going to make it onto that final edit. Yeah. You know, it's like you got to just let it go. 
And the music's going to be what it is because it's supposed to be. Not because of who submitted it, not because of the song that it is or the artist. It's going to be in the show because it's supposed to fucking be there. Yep. And that's why, like, I actually don't mess with music very much because I'm not good at picking the music. I can edit, but I can't, like, pick songs out of thin air like, oh, this would be a good, I don't know, you know, high-speed pass sequence or mm-hmm. something. That's just not my my strong suit. Yeah. The only thing I can do is I can edit and I can choreograph to whatever it is you guys pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting thing, like, this, like for the main shows, everybody submits music to me and then I have kind of my own choices that I throw in. Yeah, but you also don't do that um, in a vacuum. You have... Uh, you have others contributing their thoughts about the music choices and about the story that's going to be told. Yeah, it's, it's a, a it's a much more collaborative thing. And yeah. so, since we have three shows, it's usually two two to three choreographers per show. So mm-hmm. I could be working with up to nine people. Yeah, and getting feedback from all the different people. And someone's like, "Well, this needs to be shortened," and then someone else is like, "This needs to, you know, be." whatever can we add this here can we do this there can we and like i gotta try to take all those edits and figure out how to make them work and all that stuff and to your credit you take all of those notes like when the choreographers ask you like hey can we make this transition 10 seconds shorter can we add an extra 30 seconds on the end of this song like because usually we cut them so we have 30 seconds to add but like you you can do that in a couple of minutes the way that, I mean, you've just gotten so good at the art of editing the music together. Mm-hmm. But this is, the I'm kind of glad we're talking about this because this is a level of the Decade Brigade that a lot of fans don't even consider. Yeah. And other sliding groups don't consider. I like, would say like one show, one show on the music side has 30 to 35 hours of music work alone. Oh, yeah. Easily. So we're talking for all three shows, a hundred hours, mm-hmm. just in music. Just in the music, you just guys. Just in the music. <laughs> it's no small, and it's no coincidence that you're you're walking away from that, going, "God, that soundtrack was awesome. Oh, yeah. I love that song. What a perfect." And because we're talking about like you know voiceover too, like when we did the purge thing, like that purge yeah. spoof that we did <laughs> was easily thirty hours. Of work. It took a long time to orchestrate that. And that's kind of the beauty. Like, it's not as far as, like, the level of, of hours and training of the individuals, but it can, in a way, be related to a Cirque show where it's it's disposable entertainment. You walk in, you see it, you've seen it, and now you're done. You don't need to go see it again. It was this really elaborate thing that you don't understand, but it was really cool to look at, and you really liked listening to it. You really liked watching these people do their craft, and at the and then you walk away and you forget about it. But what made you walk away and not think that it sucked was the fact that there are like collectively thousands of hours of work that went into that one and a half hours of disposable entertainment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, the, shows like what fifteen twenty minutes. Our show's yeah. twenty minutes long. It's not that long, but you'd. You would think it was almost an embarrassment of how much time goes into creating the entire show. And that, like, on the group level, on the individual level, from training to wardrobe to music to lighting. Props I mean, and... this is so far beyond what, you know, the thrown together level that it's absurd. Like, I never, <laughs> I never thought we would get to the point where we are. 
Like no never in my wildest dreams. Like the first year we joined, it was it was still pretty much just let's throw some music together, let's do some tricks kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And then and then we did one thing oh, that kind of like <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we did one thing that kind of like raised the bar a tiny bit. And then we're like, all right, we did that. Let's let's try this. Yeah. And let's try this. And, yeah. let's, and then we just went for broke last year. We really did just like, well, let's we see honestly, how this goes. We honestly didn't know if it was going to work all the way up until like we did the show. No. And we didn't know what the reception was going to be like. Yeah. We didn't know people were going to be like, you guys are just supposed to be doing stupid tricks. Like, why are you telling me a story? Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, the, the reaction was what we hoped for, which was, oh, man, that, that like sucked me in. Yeah. I kind of got it. And it's like a side effect was getting to watch people do amazing sliding. It was a very interesting progression into what it is. And you can tell that Gary's proud of what it's become. Yeah. You know, like he. And then all the other things that we have potentially going on. um, It's grown. It's hard because a lot of times we can't talk about the gigs that we potentially like can do. But But the gigs exist and they're not, they're not small potatoes, you know, like this is turning into a real thing. And it's like, like I, I talk really highly about them and it's us, but like them, the Decade Brigade, because they worked really hard to build the thing and I respect what they have built so much. And in that situation, I wanted to be known that it wasn't luck, it wasn't coincidence, it was not a fluke, and it was not thrown together. That everything has happened the way that it's happened. Like, some serious shit has gone into it. And if you just glance from the periphery, you may see, you might still see just a bunch of idiots who slide around, and some of us are getting a little long in the tooth to be doing what we're doing, but we're doing it anyway. <laughs> you know, like refusing to let it's that. It's going to be interesting when the torch starts passing and like the, the people that really pioneered the Decade Brigade start stepping down and what roles they're going to take. Yeah, it will be Because the Decade Brigade is an actual business. We're not just sliders. Like we're, we have we're corporation legit. and like we're, you know, yeah. for tax purposes, we have to we have a tax ID. Yeah. And, we have insurance. And so it's like they can't just necessarily leave because they're technically kind of like an officer at they this point. They would have point. to legitimately It'd pass be like the, the CEO on. or CFO leaving Disney yeah. or something. Yeah. They would have to pass that on to hmm. somebody else. And there's probably paperwork involved. There will definitely and, be paperwork and, involved. When and things like switch. that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if they'll stay. Like uh, like Gary. We know Gary. He's He's the oldest one in the group, I think. Yeah, he is. And he And the one who started. He's had a few injuries and things, so he didn't do the slide into reading show because he had an injury at the Queen Mary show. That was a shame. That he and did. uh and you know, like you can't do sliding forever. <laughs> you know? It's almost no. like football. You gotta have you gotta have an exit strategy at some yeah. point. That's true. But I didn't want I, I didn't want to bring that up to like be like look how badass the Decade Brigade is. Actually, the reason that I brought it up was to for anyone who is just starting this thing and they want like maybe they've seen the Decade Brigade, maybe they've seen the Queen Mary Sliders, like maybe they've seen some other group, and they're like, I can do that. I want to do that. Fucking a, do it. Absolutely. Just because you know. But what I don't want to see is being like, oh, that's it. I can do that. And you're like, oh, no, hang on a minute. 
Yes, you can do it, but don't think it's as easy as that. Like, Decade Brigade put in a lot of hours. Queen Mary puts in a lot of hours. Yep. Like, it's not as easy as you think. That does not make it impossible. If you want to do the thing, absolutely do it. But do it because you want to, do it because you love it, and not because you want to be better than somebody else. Good advice. Thank you. Anyway, that got heavy real quick. (laughs) Talking to that and learning crafts and doing stuff, you had a PA gig this weekend. I did. I had my very Um, first, like, official PA gig. So... So what was it? F- Can you say what it was for? Like it was for a it was for a small business who has a YouTube channel, um, and they they do kind of like a product unveilings, um, opening the box, and uh, I don't know what officially it's called because I don't see a lot of those things. Uh, unboxing unboxing that's the word. videos. Thank you. I should yeah. know I was there, but uh, um, and they do some like uh, they teach you how to use some of the stuff that they offer, and I won't go into like what they do. Um, cause it may not. So was it all for YouTube or was it for like company modules or? I believe it's YouTube based, but they use them as modules on their website. And also you can just go to YouTube. Like okay. all their videos are on YouTube. Okay. Um, so a while back I had thrown out a generic Facebook post that was like, I don't know if anyone's going to read this. Probably not. I don't blame you if you don't, but here's what I'm trying to do. I just wanted to get. I, I've always known that I wanted to work in film and I've always loved filmmaking, but I've never been very good at it and <laughs> never really had the money or the want to spend the money on the right equipment. You know, I fell out of it when I decided that drugs were more important than friends after high school and it all just kind of dissolved, but I always loved it and I wanted to be part of it in some way. And I knew that, you know, acting was fun. Acting's hard. I knew later that I wanted to do stunts, but more recently, yeah. also hard. But um, but that wasn't the only way that I wanted to to be part of that business. And every time I, like even from, we'll say age like 15, when I first started getting into filmmaking, yeah, I just loved it. There was a feeling in my heart that the same feeling that I would get when, when we were in the voiceover booth at Del Mar. Mm-hmm. It was just like this fluttering in my chest that I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, I don't know, I don't know anything yet, but I just know that something's right. And I'm ashamed of myself for letting that go. But I realize in my older age, I need to let that go. You know, the 20s, my 20s were the 20, my 20s and they were terrible. And But, you know, Xander came out of it all as well in that regard. But now that I'm older and, you know, I'm faced with kind of a a point where I need to choose And do I want to choose to make money doing what I've been doing? Do I want to choose to make money doing something that I know I should be doing? And it's not always as easy as that for most people, but I've actually been given a choice to decide how I want to do this. And having more opportunities to do, to learn more in the stunt world, meet more people, do that kind of stuff, more acting opportunities in that same vein. I knew that there's an entry point at some point in the filmmaking world. Yeah. And after a little research, I figured out that that was PA work. And like, I'm, I'm 34, 35. How old am I? I don't even know. 22. Okay. (laughs) But like, I'm a little old to be just starting, but that's okay. So anyway, at this turning point, I was like, dear Facebook land, I really want to get you know, into film, back into film, however you want to look at it. I want to learn how to PA because that's how I'm going to learn this industry. Um, Is there anybody out there who can, 
Like I could just have a conversation with, I wasn't even, the ask wasn't there. I didn't want somebody to give me anything. Yeah. I just wanted to talk to people about what they do and see if I can learn some stuff so that when I was ready to start asking people if I could help them, that I had the right words to, to use in that, in that moment. So, um, one of the people who works, who actually worked with Daryl, which was super heartwarming, yeah. um, at Knott's Berry Farm, he reached, or I was able to get in contact with him. And then, um, a friend of mine from back in the high school days, um, reached out to me. He's like, I have a video production company. And I was like, what? <laughs> like mm -hmm. blew my mind because like, I didn't, I don't know if that was something he was into in high school. Like I'm sure he was, he was super artsy and creative, the whole creative type. Like our whole group of friends were at that age. Like yeah. everything was inspiring. We were noticing everything and we wanted to put it all in a movie. Like we were just those kinds of kids. So in a way it wasn't surprising, but in a way I was like, are you kidding me? Like really? So we, we met uh, a couple of months ago and I just told him where I was. I was really forward and I was like, look, I know I'm old to be doing this, but I want a career change and this is what I want it to be. And he was like, all right, well, um, tell you what, I'll call you when we have a production coming up. And a couple months later he called, he sends me a text. He's like, Hey, we've got a production coming up. Why don't you come down and check it out? And so I did, I gathered as much, you know, the stuff that I thought I would need as a PA, mostly it's like stuff I remembered from Coffin Creek. Yeah. Went online, looked at lists, like what's going to be helpful to me in this situation. And I was as prepared as I could be knowing that I was just going to be initially, I'm just going to go to watch. Like I don't have any responsibilities. I have no role. My job is to stay out of the way. Yeah. Just watch the process happen. Well, <laughs> that's how it started anyway. So, you know, we filming starting, I'm just trying to stay out of the way. I'm, I'm paying extra attention to what the sound guys are doing, what the lighting guys doing, you know, what, what Brian, the director is doing and what the actors are doing. And like, all of it is just so fascinating to me. And I just felt like, you know, I felt like a little kid who's like watching magic happen in front of me. And like, yeah, it's, you know, it's an industrial video. It's going to be on YouTube. It's not like this big ass production, but that doesn't matter. Like they're making something. Yeah. And it <clears throat> was really exhilarating to be to be part of it, even though I wasn't really part of it. I was in the same room and that was enough for me yeah. <laughs> to be like, you know what? This is awesome. So I can't, I can't leave well enough alone when there's, when there's a way that I can help, I really want to help. And sometimes it comes off as me butting in or stepping on toes. And if I come off like that, I'm super sorry. But I noticed the actors, um, the actor was getting a little shiny and I was like, you know what guys, I can fix this. I can't help with anything else, but I can help that guy get unshiny. <laughs> and so I asked him, I'm like, is it okay if I do this? And he's like, of course. So, you know, I went from just trying to stay out of the way to now I'm going to assist in the makeup thing. And then he comes off and then a girl comes on and she's adorable. She's beautiful. She's got her makeup's all perfect. Her hair's in the right place, but her, she's wearing a guy's shirt, so it's not fitting her well. And we don't have a, a, a hairstylist on set, and we don't have a makeup artist on set. But I'm a girl, for, mostly, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I can identify girl. these things. I think you're a girl, yeah. <laughs> Legally, I am a lady, but I'm not the most feminine. But it didn't matter because I knew what hair was supposed to look like on camera, and I knew what makeup was supposed to look like on camera. And knowing that, I was able to help her get unshiny, put everything where it belonged. Make the shirt go where it needed to be. Did you use your clothespins? I used my clothespins. Nice. Hallelujah. And, you know, 
And that's stuff that, not that they wouldn't have seen it, not that they weren't capable of handling it on their own, but because I had nothing else to think about, I was able to observe those things and I was able to help. And it meant a lot to me because I was like, I'm not just a fly on the wall. Like, I get to help in my own little way, in the way that I know how. Mm -hmm. So... That was really awesome. I, you know, Mamo kicked in a little bit. I noticed that part of the set was dusty. I felt the need, like, like you guys are doing this thing. I've got a minute. Would you mind if I wipe down that counter so that it doesn't look dusty on set? And Brian gives me this look like, really? And I was like, is that okay? He's like, by all means. And he gets up to do it himself. I'm like, no, no, I got this. And he's like, okay. Like, I wasn't telling him he needed to do the thing. I was like, well... You're, di- you're directing this fucking thing. Let me go wipe down the counter. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. <laughs> and so I just, you know, went into mom mode a little bit. I was like, I'm going to clean up some stuff. I'm, and I'm thinking this whole time, like, is this is this what being a PA is? Is it using that bizarro, you know, living in the periphery, attention to detail, going to be what saves my ass in this industry? Well, on bigger sets, I can tell you that you're going to have a very specific task given to you Mm -hmm. and that is your task and you don't go outside those bounds that makes sense to me and that's kind of what i thought in a smaller production like this it makes sense like in any kind of indie thing it's like it's a teamwork effort right Mm -hmm. everybody's on deck everybody does everything yeah you know but yeah definitely on those bigger ones it's like this is your job you can talk about your job Mm. you can talk about your job to somebody else but you don't talk about their job (laughs) never in a million years would i think about setting someone's makeup while we were on the set of what was that shoot that we did um the old one about the movie makers in the 30s oh god i can't even remember oh no <laughs> anyway I, I did extra work for something but like like you know your place like, yeah there's no way in hell that i would start like being like oh honey you're a little shiny let me powder you up. i'm like god no no there's a makeup union for that <laughs> they, yeah there are people who are hired <laughs> just for that but Like, in this instance, we had no makeup artist. We had nobody doing hair. We had no one doing wardrobe. And those are the only things I really knew how to do going in, aside from cleaning up trash and wrapping wires. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let me be helpful in the way that I can be helpful. So, you know, it progressed. I think the shoot went really smooth. But again, I have no point of reference. Um, The actors did great. They It was a really cool teleprompter thing that I got to see how that worked. I got to see how, how the sound Went all together. Oh, another super cool thing was a friend of mine from high school. Um, her, her stage name is Mae McDonough. Actually danced to one of her band's songs back when I was a belly dancer, which was super fun. Um, but I hadn't seen her in well over a decade. So that was really cool to see her. Yeah. But she was doing the sound. So I got to see how all that was set up. And because it was a little bit smaller of a production, I got to see how all these cogs fit together. Yes. And in a way that wasn't as intimidating. Well, not intimidating by the end. At first, it was very intimidating. Was well, that's like, what oh, I was sure. telling you. You know, like I did, I did what would be considered a large movie in, well, medium-sized movie in Hollywood. And then I also worked on, uh, it was the first official Bollywood movie that was Union, that was under the SAG Union. Really? Yeah. I um, didn't know that that was... And so, with the Bollywood movie... It was much more, it felt more indie, right? Yeah. Like, it was a much more kind of an indie-feeling film, whereas the other 
movie was like it was a production. <laughs> yeah, you and knew everyone like, knew what they were. You were in your doing. space. Like it was literally like the the Bollywood movie. Like I actually went only to be uh only to be an extra. Mm-hmm. But they they had the script and they only had these four characters from India that came. And so they literally were like, all right, well, we need this person, we need this person, we need this person. And they're like, okay, you're going to be the lawyer, you're going to be the cameraman, <laughs> you're going to be do this. And that's how I got on the, that's how I got on the movie. <laughs> was like, they literally just said, hey, we need, we need somebody, you look like you're a cameraman, you're tall, you'll work, sight lines will work well with the main actor you're going to be working with. Mm-hmm. You're going to be his cameraman. And, and so I, I went from a one day job to a two week gig, yeah. you know, and it was just like, all right, sure. But that's, you know, at least from what I have, you know, read and watched, that's kind of how it works where yeah. they, you know, they, they promote from within when they have to, and they work with the people that they know. And what else are you going to do when you're on set and you have to film today and you have to get warm bodies in front of the camera? Yep. Like, who else are you going to pick? You're going to pick the people who are around you. So. Going down. Going down. So anyway. At the end of the day, I was exhausted and, and exhilarated and super grateful and very happy. And I really, really want to do it again. Awesome. Yeah. So it was awesome. It was good. So uh, we're pretty much at an hour now. Oh, God. So at this point is usually when we would have Nani watch a movie. But we don't have a movie. Oh. Instead, we, oh, have, we have something else. We have something else. Let me drink my... my are you are you are you uh, are you properly smashed? Have we finished the bottle yet? We have not finished the bottle. I am not yet smashed, but I have. But the bottle headache. is empty. The bottle's empty. We've All got... the liquid is in our glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So let me set this up for everybody. So somebody, in their wisdom or enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, decided to have an AI watch. A bunch of Saw movies over and over and over and over and over. Then, once the AI had watched around a thousand hours of Saw, you know, there's, there's six movies, so he obviously watched it over and over and over and over and over a bunch. They had the, they told the AI, okay, you have all the information you need. Write a script for a Saw movie. Oh my God. I have the first page. <laughs> Of the script that the AI wrote for a Saw movie. You've got to be kidding me. No. This is artificial intelligence at its finest, guys. All right. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read the stage directions and I'm going to be Jigsaw. You are going to play the the victim, which is her name's Becky. In this I get particular, to be a Becky? you are Becky. So is you need Becky to think like about a Becky, or is she just? Like... You can play her however you want. Sweet. You already have the gig, so you don't you don't need to audition. <laughs> you're being handed you're being handed the role of Becky for Look, Saw Nine. We know that doesn't always work out right when you're handed shit. Okay. Alright, so I'm gonna tell you the the title is Saw Nine. Saw it the ba the bang the bang diggy diggy diggy. Alright, I'm on board. That is the name of the Saw movie that we are going to be doing. Saw with the bang. Saw it. Da ba da bang da bang diggy diggy diggy. Okay, that's the name of Saw Nine. So wait, the AI came up with that? Yeah, this is all AI stuff right here. Oh my god, the future is here. Yes. Okay. 
All right, so we have the first script. You're Becky. I'm going to read the stage directions, and I will be Jigsaw. Do we both have the same script? Yeah, it's the same script. Okay. All right. So, um, is 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 Sexy Doll, are you Sexy Doll? I'm Jigsaw, yes. So Sexy Doll is Jigsaw? Yeah, Sexy Doll is We need is to know what we're looking jigsaw. at, okay? All right. <laughs> we're looking at a script. It's a script written by an AI, so right, it'll yeah. all make sense. And it's written in, in script format. Yes. With the... Uh, the center alignment. Yes. With everything. And so I say we go for it. All right. So okay. let's set the scene. So we got the scene and the directions here. Okay. Internal. Whale. A sexy woman. <laughs> Becky sex woman is covered in blood. Chained to a bed. She's in a whale, but she doesn't know it yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My blood's supposed to be on the inside of my body, not on the outside of it. An old TV turns on. We know it's old because it's covered in cobwebs and voted for Trump. (laughs) The doll from the other movies appears on the screen, but this time he's sexier. We know he's sexier because he's covered in sex webs. Sexy doll. Hello, Becky. Want to play a game? Well, yes, of course. Don't be silly. Yes, 100%. Game, please. Becky still doesn't realize that she is in a w- inside a whale. Becky? <laughs> Becky, you are inside a whale. <laughs> Becky now realizes she's inside a whale. She's fine with it. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I hid the key. <sighs> Oh my god. Alright. I hid the key to this whale inside your pancreas. Good thing I'm a pancreas doctor. But since I know you're a pancreas doctor, I took it out of your pancreas and put it in one of your kidneys. The cool one. Fuck, I don't know kidneys. A countdown starts countdowning. (laughs) A countdown starts counting down from one hour on the TV. Whoa, who the fuck is that? I didn't do that. Who did that? The whale did that. So there you go. The first page from Saw 9 as written by an artificial intelligence. How do you feel? (laughs) How do you feel about artificial intelligence writing movie scripts after reading this? You know what? If this movie were to be made (laughs) in the words of Kevin Smith, they already sold the ticket. I'm going. I would see it too. I would expect maybe like Medina to show up at some point. For, okay. So for a woman who is a doctor, who is a pancreas doctor. A very specific pancreas doctor, yes. Which I didn't know they had, but apparently they do have. A pancreasontologist? A pancreontologist? Uh, well, the pancreas, would, would that be like endocrinologist? I don't know. I think we're looking too far into this. Anyway, she's a doctor. Yeah. Doesn't realize she's inside the body of another living being. <laughs> well, she's in a whale, but doesn't know it yet. Is it dark? Because in a whale, there's my no first light. question is: she's tied to a bed and covered in blood. But the first thing you do would be look up and see like the the roof of a whale and be like, "Hey, I'm inside a whale." Do you know what the inside of a whale looks like? I know because I watched Pinocchio. Oh well, there you go. And it looks like you're looking at the inside of its rib cage. There's no stomach. There's no intestines. It's uh-huh. just a hollow cavity with the inside of their of their chest 
With bones. some old sailors swashing or sloshing around on a raft. Yeah, there's like a, a shallow layer of bile on the floor. Uh-huh. And it's lit for some reason. I love that he changed the name of Jigsaw to Sexy Doll, though. He's now a sexy doll. We know he's sexier because he's covered in sex webs. Yes. What's a sex web look like? I can only assume it's sexy. Is it edible? Probably. It, would, it goes without saying. Yeah. It has to be edible. I, you know what? Sex web's probably cotton candy. You know what? I think you're right. It would be edible. That'd be sexy. It is sexy. And it looks like cobwebs. <laughs> yes, of course. Don't be silly. Yes, 100% game, please. Because when you're tied to a bed, in the gullet of what you don't know yet is the whale, <laughs> covered in blood, which may be yours, maybe somebody else's, the only thing you want to do is, one, not be silly, and two, play a game. Well, maybe because she is so smart, and she is a doctor, she knows that her blood is not supposed to be on the outside of her body, she knows she's fucked. So well, she's like, you the- know what, let me just screw with this guy. At this point, I'm dead. Oh, yeah. Let me just have some fun. (laughs) Let me just have some fun. I think you're giving Becky way too much credit. (laughs) (laughs) Would you go to a doctor named Becky? Um, She probably has Rebecca written on the little nameplate on her desk. Probably. (laughs) Rebecca. I don't know. What's the the name of the doctor that um, with the really big boobs? Oh, from Futurama? Yeah. I wish I thought Yes, I am a doctor. And yes, yes they are real. Oh, trust me, Neil is a, is a goddess. That was, uh, wow. You know, I'm generally really bad at dissecting a script for myself yeah. to read. And I don't know if it was the booze or if it was the fact that an AI wrote this, but um, that was harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, our acting skills are up there with the uh, Tom Cruises and the Brad Pitts and all that. So, you know, I think it came off good. In our sober moments, we're actually not bad. (laughs) I've had three glasses of wine. That's going great. God, I hope Everett listens to this and is like, oh, sweet mercy, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, I'm sure y'all have tuned out so hard after listening to that. And I either apologize or thank you. Depending on how you respond. My wine's gone. Oh, wow. My you, wine's all gone. You drink all the dirt water. It's gone. I can't smell, but it's gone. You guys, imagine like like Boone's Farm, but bitter. Bitter with, Boone's Farm? With, with actual dirty, muddy rocks thrown in as ice cubes. Yeah, I think that's pretty dead on. <laughs> that's what this tastes like. And you know what? To, again, to a connoisseur, it's probably amazing. Oh my, what is flickering? Is that, are those bubbles or what is that? It's shiny stuff. It's supposed to be like glitter for the logo. No way. That, is that what, the, no way. Yeah. No, that's not the logo. This is the logo. But it's all glitter. Those are those bubbles or something? Is that some gross thing floating in the thing that we drink? Maybe it's caviar. It's like uh, little, it's what? like little bubbles. What is that? can't reach down. There's one right here. Oh my god, I hope you had it, so... No, I'm not. <laughs> that's on the outside. No, nope, that's it? on the inside. Oh my god. Oh my god, guys. Three glasses of wine. Alright, let's get out of here. Mm. Um, so, to go buy tickets, because you can buy tickets for uh, 
Black Market Escape Rooms Murder Co. You can go to Black Market Escape Rooms with an S dot com um, and schedule your visit to see the R-rated thing. You do have to be 18 or over, so make sure you're 18 and over. Check your ID and whatnot. Because mm-hmm. um, I'll be checking. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Tales from the Fog at... Shit. Tales what the fuck? The fog? I'm so... <laughs> wow. <laughs> you can follow us at Tales from the Fog on Facebook and Instagram. Mm. You can follow Veronica... On Instagram, at... But why would you want to? <laughs> oh, my God. Look, it's, Ver- it's at Veronica Voices, if, it, if you care. It may be shitty tasting, but it did the trick. Let me tell you, I'm, I can't feel my face. <laughs> Can I feel your face? You could try. I won't feel it, though. Hi, uh, face. <laughs> Good luck editing this, by the way. Uh, you can follow the Decade Brigade at Decade Brigade Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know what? I um, I've been like anti Twitter for forever because I I knew about it in like the way overly days. But I want to try. I want to try new things in my old age. Yeah, I've had a Twitter since like forever, but I never use it. Well, I'm using mine now, and I'm using it to communicate with people that I find interesting. So if you happen to also play with Twitter, um, I don't post very much, but um, it's I think it's at Veronica Voices. I'm trying to keep the brand awesome. consistency, if there is one. So, so play with your Twitters. Yeah. All day. So yeah, I think it's at Veronica Voices across all the Awesome. Um, do you have anything else going on? No, man. Midsummer Scream tickets are on sale already. So uh, Yes, Midsummer Scream. Go to midsummerscream.org. O-R-G. Buy your tickets. Uh, there was a sale. It's gone now. So you missed out. So it sucks for you. Um, but it doesn't suck because if they get to go, it's still a good thing. Black it is. Cat I mean, it's freaking awesome. You can't go wrong. I, even if you pay full price, it's completely worth the price that you paid. You will get more than your money. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be various discounts going on. I know if you went to the Reign of Terror thing on this past Saturday, they had, were selling discounted midsummer tickets. At the box office. Oh, wow. So nice. Rick was there and stuff, and you could get your discounted tickets. I think they were doing 40% off, whereas the pre-sale was 60. Um, 60% off? Yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing deal. Wow. But it was only for a week. It ended last Friday. Oh, man. And then Saturday, you get 40% off. So Which the prices so are going to slowly jack up the closer we get to the event. So you might as well mm-hmm. buy your tickets now before they get too expensive. And they sell out of the front of the line and the student pass thing that they have that includes all the classes that you have to pay extra for. Um, So if you want one of those, if you're an inspiring haunt designer or you want to get into those big panels like Universal, Not Scary Farm, Magic Mountain, Queen Mary, etc. Without waiting, you know, hours in line with everybody else because you want to see the Decay Brigade perform. Totally suggest it. Nice draw. Make sure that you get the front of the line pass because then you can see the Decay Brigade and then run over to the the Queen Mary panel or the Knots panel or the Universal panel and you can walk in front of all those people that have been waiting an hour and a half. And you will be running because the way that the Decay Brigade shows are scheduled, you know. In, it's like five, ten minutes before any will, kind yeah. of awesome panel. As soon as the Decay Brigade show is over, you're going to have to stand up and run to wherever you want to go. But if you have the front of the, path, front of the line pass, doesn't matter. It does not matter. does not matter. Yeah. Um, 
What else? Oh my god, I'm at it. Trying to think. God, you thinking know, thinking after wine is hard. Uh, um, boop 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 boop. Hi, <laughs> Hannah. Aw, Hannah Harto. Um. All right, let's just call it. That's the end. The end. Bye, guys. Bye. Oh wait, I gotta oh. say the thing. I'll oh, say the thing. Don't What's the thing? Uh. Oh yeah. Until next time, guys. See you in the fog. Bye, guys. Bye.